0: So, it was announced that Netflix is looking into not just one, but two follow-ups to their highly, at least as far as I was aware, successful... A sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You might have remembered back in February, uh, Netflix dropped a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie produced by Fede Alvarez of Evil Dead and Don't Breathe fame, and it came out to a lot of mixed reactions. But overall, had a lot of a lot of views on it that week, and then it went up. A lot of people talking about it, and apparently there are discussions right now to produce not one but two follow-ups to Netflix Chains uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Film Now, uh, Bloody Disgusting calls this Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, but here's the thing to keep in mind, Netflix's movie was a direct sequel to the original film, which technically makes that already Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So we are talking Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 and 4. And if you recall, The Netflix film ended with Leatherface going back to the old home that the original film was set in. So there are plenty of possibilities about where this could be going. Because remember, Leatherface didn't have a family in the Netflix film and that's usually what he's surrounded with. So could another sequel with Leatherface not having anybody around to control him work just as well as Netflix's film that they put out? Who knows, but we might find something out about it here over the coming months leading into the spooky season. But tonight, we got reviews of Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, and T watches a scary movie. Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. Uh, IMT, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for the video version, so if you're seeing my beautiful face, that's here on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie, and of course, if you're not watching me, if you're just listening in, that means you're checking us out. On one of the very many podcast platforms that we have our audio-only versions up on as well too, like Podbean or Spotify or Audible, you can find us just by searching "T watches a scary movie." Audio version goes up half an hour earlier Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on all of those different platforms. Find us whether you're watching or you're just listening. I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and like and share as well too. Now with this episode, I'm trying something a little. Bit differently because some of you have asked me to split my reviews up into like separate segments so you can actually check those out separately on your own. So this presentation here right now this is kind of like the entire episode that i'll keep posting these wednesday nights at 8 30 but i'm also going to try to start releasing my reviews kind of separately in like you know six or seven minute segments as well make it a little bit easier to digest so the first movie that we're talking about tonight and it's kind of uh, interesting timing because it actually just celebrated a big anniversary uh big anniversary really recently now too i'm talking Alien 3. That's right. Alien 3, which came out May 22nd in 1992. So yes, folks, that's right. We actually just got done a a month ago celebrating the 30th anniversary of this film. Now first, let me just say, Alien 3 is available right now for free streaming on Hulu so if you have a Hulu subscription you can head over there and check out Alien 3 now I don't know which version it is which is gonna be a part of what I'm talking about here with it because as all of you should know by now the Alien series is one of those series that has been redone more than a few times over the last few decades Uh, we've had the original theatrical version of our core four films, which is Alien, Aliens, Alien 3 or Alien Cube, however you want to call it, and Alien Resurrection. We had our theatrical versions of all those, and then we got uh, subsequent special editions of Aliens, which then led to further special editions or director's cuts of Alien, Alien 3, which had what's called the assembly cut, I believe, and then Alien Resurrection. Now, there are different versions of all these films out there, uh, and of course we can't about each of them because I haven't seen them all I don't have patience for a lot of them there Uh, but it's interesting because when compared to aliens a film I've talked about in bits and pieces on this show in the past Uh, compared to all the other uh entries in the alien series that's the one i think i know closest to heart because i just know the footage that's in there so i can tell whether it's the original version or whether it's the special edition you know there are things in there like the smart gun scene in the hallway or the turret scene to where the aliens are trying to come down the hallways to get to them in the lab and they've set up these guns outside to kind of blast them down hey that's special edition that's not there we're looking at theatrical but i don't know the other films as well to say the differences from one version to another. So it was interesting to go back and watch Alien 3 because I hadn't watched this movie in a little bit of time. Like I know I've watched it recently, but actually like paying close attention to it, trying to pick up a lot of the new stuff that's in there. This is kind of one of the first watches uh, for me catching this new version. So I watched this special edition that's available on Voodoo. Now, the problem is, is that I can't tell you that much about the original version because I remember being a kid in the early nineties. This probably was like 93, 94. Um, I was living in, it had to be in New Mexico because it was right before um, we moved to Georgia. And I remember watching like the tail end of Alien Three, and I was super stoked because it had Charles Dutton in it, uh, who I knew from the time from Rock, uh, this black led sitcom, uh, you know, drama that had that was on TV. So I was like, cool, Charles Dutton's in this, and you know, we got Ripley back and Bishop's back. But as a kid, beyond just being terrified of it, because I truly feel that Alien Three was a terrifying film to see as a kid. Uh, I loved the design of this alien compared to the other two because it was bipedal and was like kind of running around and stuff and then the other ones is very much a stand-up creature because they're all coming from men and that actually brings up a good plot point here is that compared to what we saw in alien and aliens where they're all coming from humans alien threes plot point was that the the creature the xenomorph came from a dog in the theatrical version but if you're watching the special edition or the assembly cut, um, you know that the alien this time uh, attacked an ox, actually, as opposed to a dog. There is no dog in the special edition. Uh, so, what's the story of Alien Three? Well, when we left off in Aliens. Ripley. Hicks, Newt and Bishop had narrowly escaped uh, being absolutely destroyed by the Queen alien who was revealed to be making eggs and her cadre of you know foot soldiers. they were able to destroy LV 426 I believe. Um, And as far as they knew, wipe out the alien menace. Now keep in mind, across two films, we've seen Ripley just go through the absolute ringer. She's lost her entire crew back on the Nostromo. And then now uh, she was kind of tricked into going back to LV-426 to find out what's going on with the colonists there. All of them were completely decimated. Uh, All the Marines she was sent with were decimated as well too, leaving her, Newt, Hicks, and uh, Bishop, like I said. so. Finally, she's getting a little bit of relief. She's getting a little bit of relaxation. Everything's gonna be okay but of course that can't happen and we find out that a uh, alien egg was somehow left aboard uh, aboard their ship which Obviously came out of the egg during their hibernation and unfortunately this resulted in the deaths of Newt and Hicks and Ripley is left here on Fury 161, a foundry and a maximum security male inhabited work planet. And it just kind of sucks right out the gate there because, you know, one of the best things about horror films is that no matter what our lead characters go through, and at least 50% of them, they get some kind of relief and we can hope that they have a good life after that. Now, we know in horror that's not typically the case if there's a sequel. Like, if you bring a protagonist back, typically they're coming back just to die, ultimately. Um, And with Aliens, it's a bit different because Ripley just really, really gets punished over and over and over and there's no happiness. And at the end of Aliens, it feels like we finally get to a point to where she can relax and take a breath. And even though so many horrible things has happened, she's kind of finally reached a little bit of peace, possibly love. You know, she's able to get a new relationship uh, to kind of replicate what she lost with her daughter who passed away through old age. And that's all immediately ripped away. And... What's so interesting about Alien 3 is just, especially in the special edition, is that it's a while before Ripley's even aware that there's a problem on Fury 161. That uh, that basically an alien did happen to, uh, to follow them along and implanted on the oxen, and now she has a bigger problem there, along with another problem that we'll get to. Um, but that was kind of interesting to me that, the movie basically sets up that ripley's been running and hiding and dealing with this issue for so long at this point now that getting to this planet regards the fact she's lost newt she's lost hicks bishop is gone and she's kind of dealing with that so far it just seems that look like this is just kind of your life on this planet now and that's just the way things are and it's even more evidenced by the fact that she ends up getting into a sexual relationship with charles dance so you might all recognize from a Game of Thrones or who I recognize from last action hero as Benedict fucking love Charles Dance. Um, and that's something that went over my head as a kid watching the original version that her and Charles Dance's character actually had a relationship in that film because you have to kind of remember that her and Hicks never, you know, we're going to be crass. They never got the fuck. They never got to like actually consummate that relationship at all. So She's quite literally hasn't had anything going on since whatever time frame Alien was in up until Alien 3. And that's a lot of time. Because remember, she's been in st- uh, like stasis, where she's not really aging or anything. So uh, it's kind of funny that the two of them hook up. And I think that's actually kind of like groundbreaking a bit as well, too. Because you, know, you have this strong female character in this film who's making a choice for herself to go and get herself some. So good for you, Ripley. Knock it down like that. But again, we then find out that, yes, there is a Xenomorph running around this prison facility, and Ripley has a lot more to deal with other than this male-dominated world. Because that's kind of been what's been presented to us in Aliens as well, too, is that this civilian, this woman, gets thrown in with all these Marines. And yeah, Vasquez is there. Um, but, uh, like she's in this male dominated world where they tolerate her, but always seems to be a bit on edge. And in Fury 161, we're realizing that, you know, she's actually in immediate danger because she's attacked, uh, she's attacked at a, a, during a time in the film by multiple inmates who, you know, looking to rape her first time they've been around a woman in forever. And it's very clearly throwing off this planet's balance. And it's interesting considering an alien movie, the xenomorphs are the ones that are throwing off the balance of uh, of the humans on LV four uh, LV four two six. And so it's just interesting to see that kind of dichotomy, to where Ripley is now kind of the alien coming to Fury one six one, dealing with all of these different inmates. Now. From there, uh, in the special edition, we're also treated to a difference of plot to where, in the original version, it's very straightforward to where the the enemy here, the problem is that this alien exists, and hey, surprise, Ripley also has an alien within her as well too, but it doesn't end there, Weyland-Yutani is showing up to basically get that alien back because that's what they want, is this weapon that they can just utilize, and... I love the urgency in the special edition here of Ripley, especially at this point, knowing what's coming and that she needs her life ended because they're not coming to save her or they're not coming to save all these prisoners. They're coming for one purpose and that is to capture the Xenomorph and do experiment to use it as the weapon that they intend it to be. And the urgency behind Ripley trying to convince all these prisoners like, hey, we have to kill it because if we don't, we're gonna die anyway, but we can at least do some good before we die. And I really- I really enjoy that compared to, you know, the first two entries in the Alien series because it always was about eradicating them. Like, there's a chance we get out of here. There's a chance we're going to survive. There's a chance everything's going to be okay. And they technically had more to deal with in those first two movies. In this film, there's only a danger of one alien. Like, yeah, the queen is there, but ultimately you kind of get the idea that could be handled very easily if they decide to. But... I I like the idea that this really is a last stand. They are not in a position to handle this one alien. They don't even have the flamethrowers of the original movie. They don't have the ability to, to flush this alien out into like the deep space as well either. They're stuck and have to deal with it mano a mano. And I love the the, the the dichotomy behind it is that Ripley at this point just wants to end it. She just wants to ensure that this nightmare doesn't become somebody else's nightmare one last time before she ultimately has to make that sacrifice. And it's interesting that in this cut you know they show us that one of the prisoners becomes obsessed with the alien instead and there's almost like a secondary antagonist because this prisoner becomes so obsessed with the idea of this dragon of the xenomorph running around that maybe it's the divine hand of god somehow coming to issue punishment to them that they all rightfully deserve because we can't forget that again this is a prison planet these people are here for a reason they're not just good inherent people because they're being hunted by this monster and that ripley really does have to forge this alliance with them to make everything work out and it's interesting um and i do apologize uh, if i'm getting it wrong i believe it was dread central did a retrospective on it recently about how this kind of coincided with the uh with you know the terrible AIDS scare in the united states to where you know, uh, people with AIDS were routinely villainized and it was this alien disease and you were infected and there was no way to hell, And all these terrible things in the, in the 80s and the 90s around that disease and how it's very reminiscent of what alien is and how Ripley herself, you know, becomes infected and suddenly she's damaged goods at that point. Folks still want her, but they want her for one specific reason. And it's a choice of, you know, you can either die with dignity or you can go through and be poked and prodded and we're gonna take this thing from you and that's your only importance to us. So it's a very interesting and sad story compared to the other ones. And I do feel it's rather finite compared to the other Alien films. Cause one, we get a bit of a, we actually get an ending compared to Alien and Aliens. And even compared to like Alien Resurrection, I feel like there's a stamp placed right on it about where the story went and it really surmises that you know Ripley's life was pain. It was just so much pain over and over and over and her fighting to protect all these other people and ultimately at the end of the day when she's finally able to fight for herself, it results in the end of her, basically, of her having to sacrifice her life to save humanity. And I love that so much about this film. And honestly, I love the fact that opinion of Alien 3 has really turned the tide in the last like 15 years or so as well, too. Like I think a lot of people who haven't revisited it still have issues with it, and it's a harder pill maybe to swallow these days about it being an enjoyable film. But I really think that folks, if they were to go back and watch this special edition, would really get a bigger appreciation and understanding of it because it's such a different film compared to the other alien films not only that the original version was done by david fincher you know fucking david fincher uh line hunters seven bunch other amazing stuff zodiac like the guy is a genius so it's interesting to see that so much studio interference killed his version of the film yet in 2022 there's a better understanding of where it lies at in the entire you know alien mythology Um, And it's a very, very strong film. But I believe that about the entire series. There was a time to where the only film in it that I enjoyed was Aliens. And that's just because it's an exciting and a horrifying film overall. But this really is a great movie. Um, I really, really do enjoy Alien 3 quite a bit. I think it's worth a new look from a lot of faces who maybe only saw it as a kid like I did and need to experience it a different way. I'm not saying it's gonna reach the levels of Aliens or even the original film for a lot of you, and even Alien Resurrection, because that's more about guns and shooting and stuff as well. But there's a lot to enjoy about Alien 3, and I think it's a more focused, uh, harness scarier film than even Alien at times, honestly. I think there's a lot to be terrified with in this film, and a lot that goes in into the future of where this franchise went, because like it, it really does set up Alien Resurrection quite perfectly with a lot of the themes that get explored in this film. So if you haven't watched it recently, take another look at it. You can pick up the Blu-ray really actually cheaply these days, which will include the original version and the special edition as well too. But check it out. I'm very curious about what y'all think about it. Has Alien 3 gotten better over three decades now? Have you seen it more than once? Have you watched the special edition? Let me know in the comments and remember, Alien 3 is available to watch on Hulu for free right now. Back to T-Watch is a scary movie. We're now here to talk about Alien Resurrection, the fourth film at the time in the Alien franchise. So, my relationship with Alien Resurrection uh, is an interesting one and it does go back to the 90s as so many of my stories typically do. Um, I remember I was living in Australia at the time and I got in really, really obsessed with the uh, with the Alien series because uh, I just finally, finally got in a chance to see uh, Alien, Aliens uh, and Alien 3 kind of all the way through at that point. So like my fever was just super, super high for anything that was Alien related. I remember uh, uh, my best friend Alex Alford, who lived down there in Woomera, in Australia, where I lived at at the time. Uh, he had this like mod for Doom Two that was Alien Doom, that basically replaced all the demons and everything with the aliens from the from the second movie. And your guns were replaced with like guns from there as well too. Level design was upgraded, and I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world. So, um, from when I initially saw Alien Three, you know. I remember being terrified of it, but also like uh, also kind of bummed because I had seen bits and pieces of aliens, and I thought there was more aliens in the film. But so I was kind of bummed about that. So when Alien Resurrection was suddenly being previewed and like it's coming out soon, I got stoked again because basically it was Aliens but for a modern audience. That's the way I looked at it was that we were getting multiple Aliens again. So that's all it was. We have guns, we have multiple Aliens. It's Aliens but it's for a modern audience because Aliens was back in the 80s. It's very much an 80s film. It looks like an 80s film. Whereas Alien Resurrection looks completely different. And it was huge because Sigourney Weaver was supposed to be done with the role you know alien 3 ended pretty definitively that not only are the aliens now done because lv426 is completely gone and the last embryo that we are aware of this queen is destroyed with ripley as she fell into you know the molten lead back on fury 161 so where could we honestly go and the story they decided to come up with is like look ripley is absolutely dead but a couple hundred years later Scientists have figured out a way to clone Ripley and they've been cloning her quite a lot as an effort to gain control of the xenomorphs. Ripley herself, not that important, but the idea here is that the Weyland-Yutani company, uh, the guys who have always been around getting these aliens, wants to use these aliens for weapons like they always have. It just never ends. They never learn any life lessons out of this. They're letting shit just happen over and over and over. And our story deals with a group of mercenaries who have been delivering humans for the military and this corporation to use to basically successfully implant and breed more aliens. In a very terrifying scene where we see them all strapped down to like lab tables as aliens are like placed right in front of their face to become infected with, you know, by a face hugger to get these embryos more and more and more. And some of the imagery in Alien Resurrection is just so uh it sticks with you because honestly some of the things they do in this film just shows just how depraved are the humans have got compared to the aliens and the aliens have always been the bad guys all right um it's not like they're they're really that sentient creatures that we've ever been worried about before like oh man they're destroying them you know like we do when like we're fighting sharks and shit like that we start thinking about the environmental concerns no these things are fucking weapons as we eventually learned decades later like in prometheus and alien covenant they're just weapons so the idea that um we show what humans will do to create more and more of these weapons is just absolutely insane and it poses a really interesting story with ripley as well too because the ripley that we're watching i believe is ripley Eight, I wanna say is, is the Ripley that's in the movie that we follow. It's not the Ripley that we knew from the previous three Alien films. Like yeah, it's, it's Sigourney Weaver for sure, in amazing shape, and now this story that she's been bred between a cross of Ripley and she also has xenomorph DNA in her as well, too, definitely poses an interesting story because where does her humanity truly lie at? Does it lie on the side of the xenomorphs or does it lie on the side of the humans? Because both are accepting, but both are also very fearful of her as well, too. It's it's something new. It's something groundbreaking. And we find out that Ripley 8 has a lot of these characteristics. She has, like, the, the acid blood is with her. She has these increased abilities as well, too. She has some kind of, like, psychic link with A. Aliens as well. So, we're going to spend the movie wondering is this the time when Ripley turns on the humans and decides to br- embrace the xenomorphs? And that's always been super interesting because in the first three films where they're trying to capture the aliens, uh, it never works out. Never obviously works out. They never get any of them really into containment, but we're also not really given any chances to like kind of communicate with them. And resurrection more so than any of the other films in there, really brings up some interesting themes of us finally containing some of these creatures, trying to communicate, trying to teach them all these things and we find out they're way, way more intelligent than what they've been given credit for in any of these uh, any of the three previous films. And that takes us through this journey of Ripley and some of these surviving mercenaries and then some of the military crew on the uh, uh, Ariga. I think is the name of the ship. Trying to escape while also again destroy this menace again once and for all, and it's not a new story. Okay, that's generally the story of all the aliens, fil- all the alien films, is that an alien or multiple aliens are there at this location, and the human characters are trying to escape and destroy them at the same time, so they can't get into the hands of somebody who's going to use them for evil. And again, that story is replicated here, but we're given some fantastic set pieces and fantastic characters to go with this. Uh, we have. Winona Ryder who's in the film playing our android Uh, as we later find out in the film that hey call is actually an android she's not human but she's more human than what we've seen for characters like Bishop and Ash in the original film so it's a different kind of android and Winona Ryder is perfect for it you know this is right uh, her coming off all these bigger roles in the early 90s you know Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, stuff like that and so this was like a really really big role for her and she fills it perfectly perfectly because call is definitely more human than we've seen with bishop and with ash you know she's here to protect really not just herself but her friends and earth as a whole like she doesn't want the aliens getting out she sees the inhumane things that have been done to these ripley clones and wants that to end as well too she's basically our connection she's weirdly enough who uh, who were most closely identifying with over the course of the film i believe and the other mercenaries uh mercenaries played by uh you know Ron Perlman, Michael Wincott, um uh oh god um I'm a Gary Gary Dardane, that's right from like CSI like, great crew together, like, where everybody is kind of, like, the best and the worst of the previous three Alien films, and that's what was so interesting about it, is that I feel that all the mercenaries are kind of, like, combinations of various characters from our first three films, but the difference, though, is that they all very much seem trustworthy, compared to, you know, uh, like, we we know in Alien and in Aliens, we had these characters there who had nefarious intentions, obviously, they didn't really have the best, intentions of heart at the characters we are really enjoying here in Alien Resurrection we we pretty much get the idea that there's only one character that's Dr. Wren that we really have to worry about basically if you're not Dr. Wren everybody's on the good side at that point. And I really like that dichotomy because it did get old in the previous films, worrying about who's gonna turn on who, who's in power. Dr. Wynn's not in any kind of power. He needs the mercenaries and he needs Ripley in order to survive all of this. So he really has to decide what's more important to him. And I love that, I love that interesting new uh, plot device of this film. Uh, now in terms of kills, blood gore, it's a very, very bloody movie for sure. There are some great kills in it but man, oh man, that underwater scene where they have to swim through a few of the different corridors. Let me tell you, seeing the aliens represented in water that way is one of the coolest thing this series has done. And it definitely gave us a new a new way to experience these aliens hunting the humans and it's so cool and air eerie and creepy and if anything whether you like this film or not you cannot watch that sequence and say you don't enjoy that start to finish from the moment that they have to dive in and they have to go underwater and it's uh hillard uh hillard's the last one in and she clearly doesn't want to do any diving or anything to the point to where they get to the top of the ladder that entire sequence is so batshit insane and i love it it is one of the highest moments of tension throughout the entire series and it's so well done to the point where i remember the et behind the scenes featurette that they did back in 1997 1998 in australia when they aired it and being so blown away by it now Alien Resurrection does bite off a bit more than it can chew with the whole idea of the cloned queen uh, now having a human uterus and therefore birthing the big infant at the end. That's you know half human, half alien as well. Uh, that seemed a little bit a little bit much to be biting off more than what they can chew. But I get it. You know the queen's no longer the big bad. We got to change it up because we've already seen the queen fight Ripley before, and we want something different. And I like the design of the newborn for sure but i feel that ultimately it just caused it, it caused maybe more problems for the movie than what there needed to be because then it starts splitting time between dr wren and this newborn being the ultimate villain that we're worried about at that point and i get it if we just had it be the queen and ripley and co are trying to stop the queen again it's not as interesting we're getting a rehash of aliens but Something about it just doesn't really gel well towards the end, honestly. You know, the idea that, you know, Ripley, uh, Ripley gets taken to, the, like, the Queen's chamber and the Queen gets killed and she's trying to get back onto, uh, onto the ship for it takes off and everything. And, like, it's a cool sequence, but something about it just didn't all mesh well at the end. Uh, And it sucks because it's a great cast. It's great characters. I love the dialogue between everybody. It's scary. It's uh, it's tense, like I said already. There's some great death scenes in it. There's so much working well about Alien Resurrection, but somehow it still just doesn't live up to, I think, the heights that the the previous films set up for that series. That being said, you can't go wrong when you get both Ron Perlman and Brad Dourif and Sigourney Weaver in a film together. So it's definitely one that y'all are gonna wanna check out. It is available for free right now on Hulu to stream. So that's the way that you can check this out. But this one is definitely one you wanna go and pick up the special edition for too. Um, It's the least changed I feel compared to any of the other three films honestly uh so it's just adding a few things in which is kind of nice for the series because it shows that the film that we got was mostly what was intended to show up on screen in the first place and i always like when that happens i love when we get treasure chests like what happened with aliens and alien 3 but it's also cool to see a film just kind of be presented the way that it was kind of intended and that is that at that point so check out alien resurrection it is free right now to stream on Hulu. so That is gonna do it for us tonight, folks. I got a chance to talk Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. It was a great week here for classics. To let you know what we are coming up next, uh, I'm gonna be dropping my early review of The Black Phone. It's going up tomorrow afternoon. I say this because if you're watching this on Wednesday, June 22nd, when this episode premieres there, uh, I'm dropping this tomorrow. So Thursday, June 23rd, you're gonna get my early review of The Black Phone. which oh my god was so so good loved it so much I'm excited to talk that with y'all and then next week uh, we're actually doing another classics week we're gonna actually look back at the original versions of we're in a stranger calls and sorority row so you're not gonna want to miss those make sure to come back and tune in for those so you can see me cover some old slashers before in a few weeks we get to the remakes because those are coming up as well too Guys, this summer is well underway at this point. Um, Happy Pride Month as well, too. Definitely, definitely supporting my LGBTQIA uh, listeners out there as well. Love you. Definitely supporting you as well because, hey, that's me, too. Uh, And I appreciate everybody tuning in for just another great episode don't forget to subscribe like share comment and if the episode as a whole was a bit too long go back and look at the playlist because again i do have these reviews separated out we're gonna try that out see how that works for y'all but that's gonna do it for me today my name is t we've been talking scary movies stay scared